0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Wayne. You're Wayne June. I am. I have. The the narrator, you have to be. The narrator for uh, uh, two stories that we uh, just talked about. From Beyond and Ex Oblivion, or I like to say Ex Oblivione because it has an extra E on the end. And um, also you do the entire audio track, except for the music, of Darkest Dungeon, a really popular independent game made here in Vancouver. Um, You didn't come here for it, right?
1: Uh, Nope. Uh, we, We did the whole thing over... Over the internet, I recorded in my studio my parts and uh, sent it off to them uh, for them to doctor it up and uh, you know basically just you know did it that way exchanged uh, emails and dropboxes and things like that
0: i i I've played a, maybe ten hours of the game it's really hard that's my my main problem with it is I keep getting killed over and over again <laughs> I, I I don't play a lot of um rpg online games unless they're they're multiplayer um but it's a it's a really good game because it's got it's got this amazing uh art i think the guy's name is Barassa.
1: yeah chris it's, Barassa. uh
0: oh, i love his art it's like he's like a comic book artist uh maybe he is a comic book artist with a real cool style
1: yeah he does he he, he does a lot to supply the the atmosphere of the game, you know, plus I, mm-hmm. I think uh, he wrote um, the script as well. Oh, did he? I believe so. At least uh, oh. the, the people that are um, the uh, principals in um, Red Hook Studios are uh, he, uh, Chris Barassa, and uh, Tyler Sigmund, his partner. and in nice. um, Red Hook Studios, and uh, they came up with the concept for Darkest Dungeon and, uh, and saw it through and um they're the guys that are responsible for it i get get a lot of attention because it's uh it's my voice Mm -hmm. Uh, it's uh it's their baby man i mean they they came up with the concept they uh followed through with it and, and brought it to fruition and uh they wrote every word of the script and uh they hired uh guy named Stuart Chapman, very, uh, Chatwood rather, very, uh, talented musician who did the, the soundtrack for it. Uh, another Canadian company, power up audio. Hmm. they really good audio on that. They did a, they did a great job. I just gave them totally dry files, you know, no, uh, compression, no effects, no reverb, no anything. And, uh, they, they did their digital magic on it and and made it what it is so
0: it it sounds uh, it sounds so like it, i was just playing it before we started talking and played in a while and it was i forgot how like i i was like i only had two cups of, I, no i haven't had any coffee today like, <laughs> i only had two cups of coffee I, but i'd be like st- sort of shaky because then you go dun and then you come on and say like um The blood is pounding, whatever (laughs) your blood is pounding (laughs) as my characters like losing blood squirting out of his veins onto the dungeon floor. It's, it's, uh, I I get the sense. I think I heard you in an interview. You haven't played it. Have you?
1: Um, no, I've watched a lot of people streaming it and watched them play it. It, (laughs) Like on Twitch, right? It looks way too hard for me. Uh, it's really hard. Yeah, but, um. Uh, yeah. The whole thing works so well. I mean, the plus the concept is built in that, um, your, your characters are, uh, not only suffering from physical ills, but also from, you know, stress and, uh, 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 post-traumatic stress disorder and totally. uh and and that translates to the player too i mean you invest so much time in the thing and then i oh no, exactly i've <laughs> been planning on and relying on for my uh my whole strategy you know just got wiped out and he's not coming back <laughs> you know, it's, yeah uh, my, my, my starting is, guy yeah
0: his name is dismiss uh he's like a thief or something he's got a knife And he's doing all these awesome blows, and then he says something courageous, and then he gets a hit. And then he sort of gets paranoid and starts becoming selfish. And I'm like, no, no, (laughs) you're so good. Snap out of it. (laughs) Snap out of it. And then meanwhile, you're narrating the the, uh, adventure. You don't talk. You don't do the characters. You don't, like, say, ouch or anything like that. You do, like, a
1: mighty blow. Yeah. (laughs) And that was that was really fun doing that. I mean, uh, I'd, I'd be sitting in in my studio recording these things and laughing my butt off, and my wife would walk through and say, "What are you recording?" <laughs> <laughs> you'll see, you know. You wouldn't <laughs> Yeah, you, you you can't understand out of context, but you'll get it. So.
0: Um, uh, the one of the things that happens if you've seen uh, the YouTube videos that where people do the playthroughs, um, in the comment section. Uh, it basically, it'll say something like, oh, that voice or something. And then some dude right underneath the comment won't be, you know, a typical trollish thing. He'll just quote wor- things from this, the story as, you know, like, <laughs> um, he'll say sturdy shovels <laughs> or something like, that. <laughs> and like sturdy shovels out of context. It sounds weird, but you can see like they put it in all caps, right. To give it the Wayne June effect <laughs> and people just, uh, people love it. It's, uh, it's, it's gotta be a huge hit. I, I don't think we know, uh, based on, I don't think there's any tracking on Steam or anything, but it's gotta be a huge hit. I'm assuming, uh, have you heard anything? Can you talk about Darkest Dungeon 2? I, I know it's not even really official. Oh, maybe it's officially released now, but are they talking about making a sequel?
1: Um, I don't know at this point what, uh, is actually in, in the works. Um, but I I do know that um, it, the game is hugely successful. They're they're working on moving it into uh, PlayStation and other mm-hmm. formats now as well. So I think that's what they're concentrating on. At the
0: yeah, it's a, it's also unusual because it's a single player game, right? It's one person. Yeah. Uh, like it's not like uh, you're playing against another player. You're playing against the computer. You're playing against yourself. It's it goes all the way back from me to a game uh, called Wizardry which I played on the Apple II using like an amber-colored monitor. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's amber and green or something. And uh, that was sort of a Dungeons & Dragons, um, Tolkien-esque clone where uh, it was just one step above the, uh, the text adventure. It had like, uh, I, I don't know, isomorphic lines or something. And you would just sort of walk through the dungeon and you'd have to, track on a piece of paper which turns you had made yeah you know it's it's that old but it's that style of game but because the graphics are are very cartoon sort of um or comics i think is probably and and colored and with the voice it's the same experience as i had like back then in 1979 or whatever playing wizardry on an apple II. um it's the, it's the same kind of game but it's just so good this is this is the thing about computer games as opposed to movies right the sequels get better
1: yeah but there's, there's another aspect of of it too this is my really my first foray into uh you know the gaming world um there's a whole community out there of gamers that i didn't even know <laughs> existed you know i i <clears throat> played a couple of video games in 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 my day but i never you know really latched on to it as a as a real um super focused interest but uh, uh, you're saying Dun- um, darkest dungeon is uh, a one-player game that's true but uh, so they have streamers out there now people streaming with, that will will play the game Uh, these guys and girls have their own audiences that Mm -hmm. sign up and subscribe. And I mean, they'll share the game experience with them. There's, there's people on there that have been playing the game for hours and hours and hours and hours, you know, over months and people tune in to watch their stream and he'll name characters after, after the people that are following and watching. So, I mean, everybody gets involved, even though it's a one player game. Uh, it, it, it's really genius in that it, 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 it takes advantage of everything um, that's um, uh, that's evolved and that's uh, that's available for the gaming community now.
0: It's true. Uh, I'm not a big Twitch uh, TV person. Uh, it's uh, my understanding is it's basically like YouTube, except it's fo- entirely focused on games. And um, one of the things I noted, uh, I don't remember if it was in your Twitter feed or whatever, but um, they did something called a uh, follower pack or sound pack where they had you record like the sounds of somebody being added to a twitch player's account or something is that how it worked
1: yeah uh, um, the uh, the the streamers on twitch have uh, opportunity to get um, you know uh, followers or subscribers and uh, subscribers have to um chip in and pay a certain amount to be on the subscriber list and so these guys you know have sort of monetize their screen uh streams mm-hmm. and um they have uh uh the capability to do or uh, uh, to trigger audio uh, responses or notifications when someone signs up so what uh power up audio and um and red hook studios did they uh, appreciate their um their fan base so much and these people that stream the game that um we made like they hired me to make like 500 uh, <laughs> personalized notifications uh and by personalized uh kevin from power up audio you know, did the research, got familiar with these, these people, what's going on with their stream. You know, if there's some kind of a theme involved, they would have, they would, you know, write it specifically for them. Uh, so they, yeah they did like 500 of them. And, uh, uh that, that was a fun thing. Kevin and I worked on that together. We had a, uh, we recorded by phone patch and, uh, we were just laughing our asses off at some of these things because talking about taking it out of context, you know, mm-hmm. these, these, these guys <laughs> have have built little worlds of their own and uh, a sentence that means a lot to them and their followers will not necessarily mean anything outside of that context. But, uh, uh, I did 500 of those in a row and we were just laughing our butts off.
0: No doubt. It's, um, it's crazy. I, one of the things I saw, uh, <clears throat> in one of those comments is we need a dota announce- announcer pack is that is that happening i i barely know what dota is it's defense of the ancients i think it's called it's it's like a it, they wanted uh an announcer pack or some sort of voice system for a completely
1: unrelated game yeah is that um, uh, i don't know much about it either um <clears throat> What I do know about it is Dota is like, uh, it's a game that gamers play professionally. Uh, right. There's actually, there's actually, uh, like, a uh, an electronic e-sports league thing going on where these teams get together and play the game. They play against each other. They have playoffs and the whole thing, and they go through seasons. And, uh, eventually the, the people, the people that have risen to the top will go to whatever venue they have set aside whether it's in you know uh, uh southeast Asia somewhere or uh, wherever it may be and they have these huge presentations and playoffs and they can win millions of dollars it's, it's true it's incredible um, and evidently one thing you can do with dota they've uh, made it so that um, uh, they make announcer packs where uh I, my understanding starts to break down here because i haven't followed it uh, very closely but um they can have you know a customized thing put in where you can you can buy a uh a, a different announcer voice or a different uh character voice to to you know be triggered by your gameplay um and uh, red hook uh was talking about for a while uh doing uh <clears throat> doing one of those um, and, uh, we haven't talked about it in a while, so I don't know where it sits at this point in time, but, uh, it was planned. So, uh, wow. you know, it's a, like
0: it is a groundswell of support. And, I um, I, I, part of the reason I think I'm excited, uh, even maybe more excited than you are, maybe it's, it's old hat for you. Um, Whoa um but one of the one of the things is i i i take pride in is that i was a fan of yours from the beginning I, way back way back in the day when you were uh not mr famous darkest dungeon i i was uh, reviewing your audiobooks and i was like this guy's amazing he is the voice of lovecraft and and i i start to think in my head maybe that's how they they got to heard it about him at Red Hook, and that's why they hired Wayne Chin, because he's just so good. And and my help helping him get famous
1: <laughs> is, that how, is that how it happened? Is that how you got the job? It it it, it actually is. It made me the man I am today. Uh, I have so I I have you, you are to curse. Today. To I have you to curse and you to thank for my situation.
0: I'll take all the good. Uh, you can keep the bad.
1: Um. <clears throat> well, actually. Um, that, that is kind of, uh, what happened, um, when I first started, uh, releasing the Lovecraft stuff, um, I got a, a note, uh, you know, kind of a note of appreciation type of thing from, uh, from Chris Barassa. And mm. that was like in the year, I don't know, 2002 or three. And, um, you know, lo and behold, uh, you know, 12, 13 years later, um, He's got a project going, and it's a Lovecraftian theme. So he wanted to know if I would be interested in uh, being involved in it. So that that's kind of how it happened.
0: It it really did happen. It's it's amazing because um, you could tell uh, as soon as I heard you you reading Lovecraft, I was like this guy. First of all, he knows how to pronounce all the words, which. <laughs> I tell you, there's a lot of people out there who do not know how to pronounce all the words. That You have to do the work. You have to learn the vocab.
1: Yeah, um, I, uh, I actually caught a, a, an error of mine. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I am terribly ashamed. I, I mispronounced squamous. I always thought it was squamous. Yeah, I thought it
0: was <laughs> Too,
1: <laughs> but um, but yeah. I mean, no. You have to have uh, you have to have a dictionary on hand to, to do his stuff. Not only for the pronunciations, but often for uh, you know wh- what. And not only how do you say this word, but w- what is it? <laughs> What's you know, the, what? what what is the significance of it? What is he trying to say so that you can say it properly? You know, you put it in a, in the in the right uh, emotional context. Uh,
0: well, that that's the, the cool thing is that you're not just reading it like this is a job. You actually like these stories. You, In fact, I, I would say, I hesitate to say it, but maybe I'm right, that you actually love these stories.
1: I do. I, I, I kind of grew up on Lovecraft. I uh, um, read a lot of science fiction and stuff uh, as a kid because my my dad was a, an avid uh, science fiction reader. He had everything, um, you know, from um, the pulp paperbacks to, you know, the, the, the real guys. Um, uh, and I read a lot of science fiction and uh, when I came across Lovecraft, he just fascinated me. And I was reading him when I was like, I don't know, nine or 10 years old. So I've, I've had a lifetime of Lovecraft. Uh, and I, I get him. I know what he means when he says that it's better to be non-existent. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know I, what I do. Mean? I, 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 have, I, have, I have understood his Weltanschauung. I've understood his, <laughs> his worldview and uh, embraced it. And um, I think you have to understand it and you have to feel it. And that, that's what it is with audio is you really have to feel the emotions Uh, the feelings, uh, whatever they may be, the, the fear, the apprehension, uh, or the, the joy or the love or the, whatever a celebratory attitude you have to, you really have to feel what, what the author wants you to feel in order to get that across to a listener. Uh, so some of the best advice I've ever heard came from, uh, uh, Donald Sutherland, the actor, uh, was giving advice on, uh, on acting. And he said, the best I could, best advice I could give you is don't lie. Mm. If if you're portraying something, make sure you're feeling it and you're putting it across as if you're feeling it, not even as if you're feeling it, make sure you're feeling it period. Mm. Uh, because, uh, if, uh, if, um, if an author doesn't feel it, a reader is not going to feel it. And if, if you're taking a book or a story and translating it to audio, if you don't give the author the respect enough to feel the script and take the script as absolute reality and feel that and put that into your performance, don't even think of it as a performance, just live mm-hmm. the script. When you do that, you're going to touch people there. People are going to feel it. And, and uh, I think that that's at least what I tried it. That's the, that's the theory behind it.
0: I, I think you, you got it exactly. Well, one of the, I think you were sort of semi quoting the end of, um, ex oblivione where it goes, this is the final line. So happier than I had ever dared to hope to be, I dissolved again into that native infinity of crystal oblivion from which the demon life had called me, for one brief and desolate
1: hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now, now, if you, if you take that sentence and parse it and break it down and say it as if you mean it, you're saying some, that's some heavy stuff right there.
0: It is so heavy. Uh, that's what I love about it. When I, when I read it on the page, I'm like, I'm slowing it down and I'm like, holy shit. And then, he He really what's so cool about lovecraft is he doesn't give a shit what other people think about his own writing, yep and he doesn't pull his punches when he, he he's coming to like he's committed to whatever crazy ass idea that he thinks will explore this sort of existential crisis that he's having uh this character go through and it's wonderful and,
1: and he he he's accused of being you know overly uh uh florid in his prose uh well, guilty uh, and but like you said he doesn't care <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> uh, he's, just he's, he's he he's his own genre
1: he has got he's got this vocabulary that uh <laughs> the whole idea is that you, you know it, it's a trope of his that that he's uh he's come across uh, this horror that is totally uh indescribable and yet he's trying to describe it <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. it's got that going for it but you in, in order to get that across rather than saying it's indescribable and here's how you describe it he says it's indescribable and then uses uses his florid prose to just like envelop you in syrup you know and drown mm-hmm. you in this uh uh hopelessness and it, I, I think that that's his very, uh, his very flowery speech, uh, is almost necessary to, to get across the point of, uh, you know, how absolutely horrible it actually is. You know, the things he's trying to get across is mm-hmm. he's, he's, he is the undisputed master of it. I mean, uh, I don't know any of anyone like him in in history,
0: no, there's many imitators and sometimes they can get pretty close. I Poe Poe po is a, a guy who I I endlessly as, admire, especially even more so for his poetry now than I, I I I didn't think I would ever like be a guy who's oh, I love poems. But now I'm like I'm that guy. I'm like walking around carrying books of poems with me and printing yeah. them out and making people read them and then reading them aloud and like that's that is not where I thought I was going to be. Uh, where i am now but poe he can do some of what lovecraft does but that's not his focus and one of the one of the things that's so amazing is that he does he does the storytelling by outlining what it isn't right Mm -hmm. um so there's uh, one of the things i i tweeted when i was saying i'm going to talk to wayne june uh tomorrow i said uh, i'm going to get him to say one of my favorite lines um, which is from the Dunwich Horror, the narration you did for which is amazing. I'm um, pretty, sure, pretty sure you did it. I, I can hear your voice in my head.
1: Oh, I, I uh, did that story, sure.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did it. And there's a line right near the beginning where he's describing the, I think it's Vermont landscape, and it says something like um, ravines and gullies of problematic depth. <laughs> 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 like, problematic. <laughs> How could they be problematic? It's like okay, you to you're start meshing. Hmm, this seems to go on forever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but it's a it's a perfect word to describe it. You know, when you think about it, it's like wow, that's so deep that that's you know, I mean, not that you would ever consciously think these words, exactly. but that's giving me a problem. <laughs> it's giving me a problem, not knowing what the hell deep this is. Yep. Um, you know, it doesn't
0: say bottomless lake or bottomless ravine. Because that's stupid. Yeah. But when he says problematic, um, it's like it's who is it a problem for? And so one of the descriptions people say that Lovecraft does is it his writing is subjective. It's all about seeing it not from the scientist's you know clear objective. It weighs this much. It has these chemical properties. This tensile strength. Rather, it's like Mm -hmm. uh, here's the quality of what he thinks it should be judged as yep, yep. and because of that we are all with the subjective narrator whoever it is even if it's a sort of a an apart person who's not participating in the story they're, they're recounting this story that they heard they always have this subjective um, outline and so it's uh, one of the other things that i i think that I just discovered this week that I think is really interesting. I guess I didn't discover it. Somebody mentioned it in an interview um was that lovecraft uh often has the revelation first achieved through sound rather than through a description uh of this of of what it something looks like so even stories like um uh the thing on the doorstep right. Mm-hmm something's at the door knock 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 yep. what is yep. it it's a thing <laughs> how do we know it's on the doorstep because it knocked or what have you um the sound coming before the visualization the reader is right there yep. with it and i think that that's like poetry uh lovecraft is meant to be read aloud even if it's just to yourself yeah, you, you have to read it aloud to fully evoke the. It's like a book of spells, you know. You can't just read it and sort of say, "Oh, that's nice," and turn the page. You have to I, I, read I, I'd the never, spell aloud.
1: i never thought of it that way, but uh, you make a good point. Uh, it, a, a lot of the uh, effectiveness of uh, of the actual, you know, uh, feelings of fear or or nausea or dread. Uh, they're, they're, they're achieved uh, a lot more effectively, uh, when it's, you know, read aloud, I think. And, uh, a lot of, a lot of that, um, uh, also I think you can attribute to Poe. I mean, if you, yeah if you listen to, um, the Raven, um, uh, performed as, you know, it should be, uh, I believe that, uh you can get a lot more out of it than, than just by reading it. You know, I mean, like you said, even if you read it aloud yourself, Mm -hmm. uh, you you come across so many surprises in it, not only in concept, but uh, also in, in, uh, in construction, uh, you know, Poe really, (laughs) really knew what he was doing. I I think he was a big influence. You you can, you can see, uh, you could taste a lot of Poe in, uh, Mm -hmm. craft stuff. I forget which one it was, whether it was ex oblivion or if it was, um, um, from beyond, from beyond. Right. Uh, one of them has a distinctive passage in it where he's describing something that sounds, sounds like it could have been taken, uh, from the fall of the house of Usher. You know, mm. he's describing, uh, the house and its surroundings and, uh, the, the drooping trees and, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah that's a good that's a good example of of Lovecraft sort of just uh, ingesting that that story and and keeping it throughout his writing. Um Ex Oblivione is usually thought of as a prose poem and it has that quality of um alliteration and consonants assonance right that that is just gorgeous but I think pretty much everything he wrote was like that it he wrote a lot of poetry he thought of himself as a poet uh, you know nobody makes money writing poetry but um he his even his longer stuff has sort of it's so crafted with the sound so that it it does sound amazing right uh, um and once i walked through the golden valley that led to the shadowy groves and ruins and ended in a mighty wall green with antique vines and pierced by a little gate of bronze mm-hmm. it's one big long sentence and it's gorgeous
1: yeah and that and once, that's, that's exactly what i was talking about the, the the that that sounds like it could have been taken verbatim from uh the fall of the house of usher although it mm-hmm. wasn't it's just it's the same the same flavor
0: and and Poe is of course the guy who who, who basically created the dreamlands even before Lovecraft, right? He mm-hmm. he has a poem called Dreamland, which is amazing, um, and it has all the things that you would expect to see in a Lovecraftian dreamland. There's even ghouls in there. Yep, it's amazing stuff. Um, uh, so had you? Re- I assume you had read From Beyond before. It's pretty commonly anthologized. Had you read Ex Oblivion before?
1: Um, I'd run across it before I'd never, um, uh, paid strict attention to it, but, uh, so it was kind of, kind of almost, uh, uh, a new experience for me, um, and, uh, really dug it. I mean, it's very, very, uh, uh very succinctly outlines, um, a- everything about his whole, um, his, his whole gloomy view of the universe.
0: Mm-hmm. I love, I love this story. I think it's a jewel. Um, and I, I, I read a lot of his poetry and I don't think of it as a poem, um, a a prose poem, prose poetry, uh, however you classify it, it's, it's a wonderful story. And I introduce it to uh, a lot of my students because it is so short. You can read, you know, if you just sat down and read it and without, you know, reading it aloud to yourself, you can read it through in four or five minutes, um, very easily, but It rewards rereading very close attention uh, with, you know, uh, a pen in hand and just like you just go back to that line. It said, once when the wind was soft and scented, I heard the south calling and sailed endlessly and languorously under strange stars. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Once when the gentle rain fell, I I glided in a barge down a sunless stream under the earth till I reached another world of purple twilight, iridescent arbors and undying roses. And that, well, that's a different place.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a lot packed into every single sentence, not, not to mention paragraph. And, uh, it, uh, as I said, I think the whole thing, uh, pretty succinctly sums up where he's coming from, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in, in one, and, in one spot.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it, it fits into this mosaic too, so that, like, I didn't start reading with his first story or his last story, but I read Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath earlier this year, and that was the first time reading it. This is a Dreamland story that fits... In fact, this is a Dream Quest story, right? Mm-hmm. Where a guy's mm-hmm. trying to get through a gate and a wall, and he goes to a city and studies up on that land from the, the, the dream sages who were too wise to have been born in the... To ever have been born in the waking world. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike us fools, right?
1: Guy. I love that guy.
0: <laughs> and then we, we passed, finally passed through the gate into this other world that he thought might be uh, a garden and turns out to be uh, an illimitable void of white white space and to dissolve. And that's the greatest thing. He's been returned from the, from the demon life to, from the earth back to his native land, which is non existence, exactly. The which, realm of the forms or something.
1: Which, which it's, and I think it ends that way too. Uh, uh, he enters into that, uh, you know, joyously. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he finds that uh, this, um, uh uh he find, the way i took it is that he finds that death is 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 not really uh what he might have hoped in the beginning of stepping into some beautiful garden or some beautiful edenic state or some paradise mm-hmm. but it's better it's yeah not existing at all
0: <laughs> I, I find it incredibly comforting i know that that maybe that it's Uh, people might think of that as strange but i find it incredibly comfortable comforting in part because there's someone else out there in the world lovecraft whoever else reads this story and appreciates it who says yeah right Mm -hmm. yeah that's it oh damn oh well (laughs) (laughs) what else what else we having today (laughs) let's see if we can get some some
1: coffee going or something. But like well, there's a, there's a, an, a philosopher, uh, who's, who's also a, uh, a, uh, horror writer, uh, uh, of whom you should be aware if you're not, I'm, uh, I think you probably are. His name is Thomas Ligotti. Mm hmm. Um, he, uh, wrote a book that I'm struggling through for the third time. And, uh, I wouldn't recommend it for the faint of heart. He, he takes that, uh, existentialist dread to a new level of seriousness. And, uh, he, he believes that consciousness is, uh, an accident of evolution and it's not an happy accident.
0: No, <laughs> the,
1: the, 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 the closest, uh, uh, I could come to, to anyone else who has expressed it. Was um, who is the guy who wrote uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy?
0: Douglas Adams, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: in, in, one, in one of his books, he starts it out with, with a sentence somewhat like uh, 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 In the beginning, uh, the universe came into being, uh, da, 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 blah, blah, and uh, a lot of people are still pissed off about that you know and most of them are still unhappy about it yeah i can't think of exactly what how he he phrased it but it just, uh, th- that idea it's the same idea only he expresses it with uh, you know with 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 mirth with sarcasm with humor uh thomas lagatti lives and breathes it and uh it's called the 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 book he wrote is called the conspiracy against the human race Mm -hmm. the conspiracy that he speaks of is uh the rise of consciousness and self-awareness and how uh life uh is is, uh how does he put it? it it it's a it's uh uh an orgy of uh, life feeding on itself, you know, the food chain, one species devouring another, red in tooth and claw. Uh, but the, the ones that were cursed the most out of anything that, were, that received life were it was the human race because it received the awareness and self-awareness, awareness of life and awareness of its uh, eventual end and from his point of view it's pointlessness mm-hmm. so, oh, man. man ease up Have, guys
0: <laughs> so uh, any chance of that being uh booked by you is, is that uh why you're recording uh rereading it or is it just um uh, no first- that's so-
1: uh that that's just um that's recreation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's what you do for fun. Yeah. Yep. Exact. I got gotcha. you I I think uh I, I hear Lugati's a hard guy to h- get a hold of. Um makes sense given his uh sort of mental state after uh writing these books, but um if uh if there are no audiobooks, I think you should be nominated cause, uh I think it, 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 it's a nice thing to gloom up a good gloomy book. Right. <laughs> It it really, it, it, I find it very uplifting. I don't find, you know, it's the same when I watch a noir movie, you know, with a terrible ending like Chinatown, and you just walk out of the theater and say, "Oh, oh well." So what's for lunch? (laughs) Because the alternative is. uh, But it, it, it's good to hear truth. You know, it's good to, to um, see that other people are struggling. With, uh, yeah,
1: and uh, another way to look at it, too, is uh, it's it's also a way of uh, being able to take those existential uh, fears and uh, take that dread and experience it fully for, you know, however long a book lasts or for however long a movie lasts. And then, as you said, <sighs> OK, what's for lunch? You know, <laughs> Get it over you, gotta with. Move on.
0: you can't you I mean, you can't ignore it, but you. You you have you have to acknowledge it and then still keep going because what the alternative is uh it's happening anyways you just why are you going to do it today
1: exactly exactly and it's you know uh, it, it's a, it's a way of putting it into a capsule or putting it into a a compartment and that's right and and dealing with it superficially and then dismissing it you know
0: yeah i, I mean the, part of the part of what fear is right if not all of fear is not knowing right not knowing what's going to happen um when you're a little kid you're afraid of blood and you're afraid of um what organs look like and you know sort of the primal uh, fear of gory horror movies is a fear of what's inside and what the horrible things like uh, don't want to see those colors on the outside. But uh, once you do a little, you know, biology class and you have to do the dissection of the rat and and you can name all the parts, uh, the fear really goes away. That's right. And I mean, it's not that you won't have a little bit of stress or pain. I mean, pain I think is unavoidable, but fear seems to be something that can be, uh, managed, um, especially with, uh, you know, sort of doses <laughs> taken in doses. Mm-hmm. You say, I'm going to read this scary story in the daylight. I'm going to, uh, uh, r- wrestle with this fictional, uh, take on an existential real dread that everybody shares or denies that they share.
1: Yeah. And, uh, when, when you think about it, You know, how do you handle anything? How do you handle any uh, large project? You break it down into small parts, Mm -hmm. you know, so.
0: Give it names. You figure out how how it fits together. And when something doesn't work, you do your best to sort of work your way around it. And, you know, I'm not, I haven't read Lugati. I did watch The the True Detective where apparently uh, everything one of the detectives says is just straight out of that book, The Conspiracy Against the Human Race um and i thought it was really fun uh to watch but i also don't have the existential depression that 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 character had and i think that might have to, to do more with temperament than you know uh, i've steeled myself against it by reading lots of lovecraft yep. Yep. but on the other hand it, it's uh, i i do find it really refreshing to talk about sort of in a fictional sense uh what is re somebody said I heard in an interview the other day, um, they asked an author, uh, you're so popular as an author, are you ever going to write nonfiction? And he says, my dear boy, there's nothing truer than what I write. <laughs> of course, he really wrote a fiction. Uh, but when you write it truly, even if you know the ending is changed from one story to the other, if it's true – uh, you know it. Sure, you know truth when you see it, and uh, you also know when it's bad writing. You say, "Nope, that's not. This is no good." You reject it. Yep. So yep. I I don't think there's anything truer than ex oblivione out of nothing is what the title means. Yep. Um, but I I think you know although from beyond which is uh, another story you recorded, um, recently, I think it it's not as true. I think it has um perhaps more more to say uh, hist- historically speaking if you know what i
1: mean yeah yeah it's uh, uh about the 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 unseen world that's that we have no idea that it even exists and that uh, uh, we're surrounded by things how does he put it flopping through us at all right <laughs> um yeah, that that's kind of more. I don't know how you would classify it. It's that that's more of a uh, almost you know like a monster story. It, it and I
0: think it's. I mean, one of the things that's going on in Ex Oblivion is is that his life is is tedious and you know lacking color. Yep. Um, it's like he has a terrible job. Whereas I think the the truth behind from beyond is. It's like scientific revelation. Um, There's a story. I think you you would be uh, well advised to listen to my advice on this because it's really great. If you haven't read it's called um, The Hounds of Tindalos. It's by uh, Frank Belknap Long or Belknap Long. Um, And it's kind of the same story as From Beyond except there's no invention. It's It's a drug some dude takes in a house and his friend comes and sort of monitors him while he's on the drug. And he goes back in time uh to the beginning of creation, farther and farther back in time in the history of the earth um and is then chased back to the present by uh demons at the at the beginning of the universe. Um, the hounds have his scent and close in upon him, murder him um. In, in the same way that from beyond is a sort of a revenge story, uh, that the, the horrible, uh, scientist figures out, uh, figures out this brilliant, uh, thing that's going to happen. He's going to, he's tells his friend and his friend says, you're crazy, goes away for 10 weeks. And when he comes back, um, he's, his friend is trying to murder him because he didn't believe. And it's like, that's insane. But, this is, um, this is, I think, sort of scientific revelation. When you invent the microscope, uh, and you look through the microscope and you see all the squamous things sort of crawling around squamous. all over your
1: skin. Squamous.
0: squamous sorry, squamous <laughs> things crawling all over your skin and in every puddle of water and, uh, in the air that you're breathing, right? All the micrographic, uh, one-celled organisms that infest reality Mm -hmm. um you you can become no it's not true it i can't be true and i know you know the germ theory of science didn't catch on immediately it (laughs) it was popular amongst a few people with microscopes but other people just refused to look (laughs) and same the same way um with telescopes, right? When you look out at the through the telescope and you see the moons of Jupiter, and you're, you know, the Pope, and you say, "No, those aren't moons because that's a perfect disc, and uh, those are flaws on your on your lens." Yep. Um, that's because you you're refusing to accept the reality. But uh, ultraviolet is a real thing, and m- microbes are real, and that's horrible right
1: <laughs> that that's a, that's another uh, thing about uh, lovecraft too is that you know of, of course uh, his, his uh, existential dread was kind of uh, uh, expressed through um you know what everybody calls cosmic horror mm-hmm. uh looking through that telescope and uh, confronting the the fact of how small we are you know how, how, uh, uneventful in the universe we really are C- compared to the, uh, endless, boundless vistas of, of space. Uh, we're just one tiny, small microbial piece of it that you know ultimately means nothing he expresses that best i think in in some of his you know what what i guess you could call his uh scientific revelation type stories his mind mm-hmm. stories
0: i think i think this is one of them it's 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 very short but um that just there's so many quotable lines in it. He said the gas says, "I've always believed that such strange, inaccessible worlds exist at our very elbows, and now I believe I have found a way to break down the barriers." And then we're, we're getting it in monologue, and so we don't see what the narrator says. We are only getting the reaction. He says, "I'm not joking." Within 24 hours. That machine near the table will generate waves acting on unrecognized sense organs that exist in us as atrophied or rudimentary vestiges. <laughs> Those waves will open up to us many vistas unknown to man and several unknown to anything we consider organic life. We shall see that at which dogs howl in the dark and that at which cats prick up their ears after midnight. He's, 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 he's saying I'm turning magic and myth. Magic and horror into into uh, science. Yep. Yep. And it's a science fiction story, really. If you look at it a certain way, it's not just a horror story. It's a science fiction story as well. This is why I love Lovecraft. Is he's he's really writing his own genre, and he didn't exactly invent weird fiction, but the way he did it, he sort of he's like the H.G. Wells of weird fiction, right? He's yeah, the,
1: uh, he, he, he always seemed to, uh, you know, em, embrace the, uh, scientific, uh, world as it stood, uh, in his day. You know, he, he was very, uh, aware of, um, you know, ideas of, uh, multi multi-dimensions and, uh, you know, the possibility of, of many universes, things like that. Uh, um, I think he appreciated what was going on in science, paid attention to it uh, uh, at least, and he did incorporate a lot of it into his work. So,
0: mm-hmm. so uh, uh, we've been, uh, I've been talking to you for a long while about the uh, the project to get every Lovecraft story recorded. I, I know you've recorded probably at least a dozen overall. You've done a few for me. You've done some poems, but I know there's lots still left to do, isn't there?
1: Oh yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I, th- I think I've done maybe.
0: <laughs> I don't think fifty percent.
1: Would no, you say not even half? Not even not even a third. And what I'd like to do is get it all together in one spot and mm-hmm. maybe make a uh, you know a a thing out of it to release a a hard. Uh, version you know on cd or whatever Mm -hmm. um packaged in the necronomicon type of idea (laughs) Uh, so uh, i'll see how that goes i i I tread very slowly so (laughs) um well i'm
0: gonna i'm gonna see what i can do to help you out because um uh, i'm responsible for your darkest dungeon career and i (laughs) feel responsible for your audiobook career i mean uh, it's not like i'm your agent or get any money from it Uh, but uh, the respect you're given it, it uh, reflects off of you and comes down towards me here and where I am <laughs> <laughs> at the bottom this ravine of problematic depth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> problematic for whom?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, that is the issue. Um, uh, it, I you know I say I save these stories. Uh, like I and this is going to be a treat for me. I haven't read this one one of the ones I, ha- I still haven't read i'm pretty sure i haven't read it is the call of cthulhu and i have uh, your reading of it but i never listened to it
1: because oh it's awesome uh, i of, know of, that's the cthulhu, one that everybody which, loves right yeah he's uh, that's one of that's one of my personal favorites of of his
0: i think it's everybody's favorite i, I mean it's it's the most iconic perhaps and um, I, it's like Frankenstein. I hadn't read it. I knew everything about it, but I also didn't know it. You know? Yeah. Uh, I, I knew the entire plot. I knew where, uh, where they end up, how it starts the framing. Um, but then, uh, everybody brings their own prejudice to the, the telling of the story. Whenever you read the Wikipedia entry, for a story, i like, wait a second, is that right? Who's whose argument is this? <laughs> and like, the, when I read your uh, or listen to your reading of the Dunwich Horror, which I think is an amazing story, um, it, it to me the it, it's a tragedy, right? It's a family tragedy. It's basically uh, a lovely family out in the country. Yeah, they're not super pretty to look at, but um, they come from uh, they come from a, a dimension where aesthetics are different, right? <laughs> As it says in from beyond, aesthetics work differently there. Um, so you've got a Jesus-like figure, um, a, a Mary, uh, you know, giving birth to the son of a god. In fact, twins—one invisible and one human—just like the trinity right there's the god in heaven there's the invisible spirit in the upstairs uh place that eats all the cattle (laughs) (laughs) and then there's the son who goes to the library and they they just won't give him a book all he wants to do is read a nice book (laughs) and they won't give it to him he has to break into the library this is a a horrible tragedy story and and the way lovecraft tells it you, you know the narrator's uh in the really
1: biased and racist against this nice <laughs> little family. Well, when <laughs> when you when you think about what Wilbur wanted with that book, it's not as if he just, you know, wanted to brush up on his reading. Uh no, he wanted to learn skills. He he wanted the necronomicon so that he could, you know, uh, uh bring his uh uh transparent brother from the attic into full power (laughs) right right he's he's working to help his disabled brother
0: (laughs) seriously it's a it's a happy story i mean if you look at it from the you know the sympathetic point of view you look at it from the straight up uh, but i think that's what uh, what's so funny in is lovecraft you know he's accused of all these horrible things and, and rightly so in many cases yeah but, um, when you get to the end of the Shadow Out of Innsmouth, right? Um, yeah, he's disgusted by all these, uh, people in Innsmouth and they're frightening him. Turns out they're all just at a family reunion and want to be together. <laughs> I mean, and it's not so bad, really. I mean, you get to, you never drown. You live forever under the sea as a happy family. Everybody's, everybody's cool with that. They're, they're rich. Right? Well, got lots I, of gold.
1: I, I guess you, <laughs> you got a slightly different spin on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the narrator's point of view. At the end of that, he's all on board with uh, with uh, his new family under the sea. Yep. I mean, he's not at first. It takes him a while. But once he looks in the mirror and starts seeing those fishy eyes popping out of his head, <laughs> he's um it, all those uh, doings in the town, I mean, it really shows the subjectivity, right? Yep that he's so famous for.
1: I don't know. Are we done? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying to, trying to chew on your, uh, interpret <laughs> your, your interpretation there of, uh, of Innsmouth. I never, never quite thought of it that way. No, I, I mean, that's literally how it ends,
0: right? I mean, he is talking about how, um, he gets to live or, uh, live forever. Uh, immortally he, he, for the most part, 99% of the story, he's like, this is horrible. These, um, these people are untrustworthy. Um, I don't like what they're doing. And then after he finds out the town's been raided, um, he, and he, you know, sort of gets his, I was going to say sea legs. so <laughs> 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 he's, he's, he's not, you know, he's, he's comfortable with it.
1: Um, yeah, he kind of surrenders to it. Uh the yeah. the way Lovecraft leaves it I think is is uh it's not supposed to <laughs> it's not supposed to instill the same kind of uh aquatic family values maybe that he had. Uh <laughs> yeah, Exactly. But um I uh, you know one of my
0: favorites. Um I don't know I don't know if you've ever recorded it. It's uh, it's maybe his I think it might be his first story. It's called the Tomb you know that one?
1: Yes. Yeah. About- I haven't recorded that, but uh
0: um, Okay, yeah. I love I love that story. It's about a guy who he's just a young dude, he lives in a house, his family's, you know, a bit standoffish, not a lot of hugging going on. Um and he gets really interested in one of his ancestors and he also goes for walks in the woods. Walks down into the woods and one day he finds a tomb that with a door that's locked and he has a really strong desire to go in there. And then he goes on a dream quest and he finds the key and he goes in there and he lies down. And then his family's like, dude, you can't be lying down in there. And they put him in an insane asylum.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but he, he just are, wants, are you, he wants are to.
1: Are you going to defend him and his behavior now? I think so. <laughs> I mean, I, this I have to hear. Okay. Well.
0: Uh, one of the one of the things that comes up again and again in lovecraft right is that the ancestors are reverting to type reverting to atavism right you're becoming your ancestors and sometimes that's a bad thing um but in these cases you know he had a powerful ancestor quote unquote evil right (laughs) you know held wicked parties or whatever and drinking (laughs) songs but uh, this young dude is—he's just trying to come to terms with what is in his family tree. He finds somebody in his family who he can look up to, um, and he's not doing anything wrong, right? That's the—that's the thing. Is he likes going for walks in the woods. He likes lying down in tombs. It, it, it's a bit weird, I admit. Okay. Uh, you know, he might be goth or emo or something, but honestly
1: just leave the guy alone bring him into an assailant <laughs> asylum wants, it's not right if he wants to break into tombs and lay down with corpses leave just let him leave him it's his Who? own ancestor's tomb who's he hurting
0: <laughs> nobody start getting hurt in this story right
1: uh you're such a libertarian <laughs>
0: i guess i'm just like these these people live and let live, you know or li- live and let die no wait, no that's a different story <laughs> uh, <laughs> let the dead lie and let the living lie with the dead Wait, that's Poe
1: <laughs> <laughs> there we go, full circle
0: there we go um yeah uh that's the that's my new favorite thing is i I read the uh, Annabelle Lee with my students and I say. And most of them said, "I've read this before because some teacher told them." And I said, "Yeah, but you haven't read it the way it really is." And it's totally true. Once you start looking at it, the end of Annabelle Lee is is um, it's necrophilia, right? He he's he's sleeping with his wife, his dead body's gross, his dead wife's gross body, and he thinks everyone else is insane. Um, all the people who tried to murder him and his wife. Um, but it's a beautiful, beautiful poem about a really <laughs> disgusting activity, but he's not hurting anyone. Leave him be. <laughs> kind of. I mean, I'm not going to go down in that tomb with him, but I'm not going to condemn him. Right. Right. It's kind of stinky down there. He's he really should, you know, maybe clean up
1: <laughs> or something. Yeah, but not, you know, as as. As dark as, as, as my, uh, emotional state usually is, I think he could, <laughs> he could probably find better ways to spend his time personally, but you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, you're not going to judge him, are you? Uh, I, I might not judge him. I might attempt to make some discernment uh, about, <laughs> yeah, I mean, his it's behavior. not,
0: it's not for you. I don't like mushrooms in my food. You do. That's fine. I don't force you not to eat mushrooms. You don't need to condemn me for not eating mushrooms, right?
1: Okay. And especially depending on where the mushrooms may have grown. Exactly. (laughs) I I don't like any of them. But, um, yeah, uh,
0: just, you know, if you put mushrooms on my pizza, I won't take it as a personal insult unless you
1: knew that prior. (laughs) I'll make make a note of that. Thank you. When we get together for pizza.
0: That's right. I appreciate that. Thank you. You, I believe you owe me a pizza for all that uh, Darkest Dungeon work you got.
1: You got oh, yeah, the, I do. Absolutely. Good stuff. I'll take, I'll take the mushrooms off. Maybe we'll go with uh, anchovies or something. Oh! <laughs> you wound me, sir!
0: <laughs> this has been the SFF Audio Podcast please join us at www.sffaudio.com.